Well, good morning. Good morning and welcome along as we worship the Lord together, albeit online. Uh, today is quite an important day for many. As you walk around the village at the moment, you'll see many daffodils at the moment, and they are traditionally given to mums today, because today is Mother's Day or Mothering Sunday. And historically, it was called Mothering Sunday because it was it celebrated on the fourth Sunday of Lent, th- exactly three weeks before Easter Sunday, when people would return to their mother churches. Um, and at the moment, we, we celebrate it really as, as Mother's Day. We celebrate it um, giving thanks for our mums. And it's a great day of celebration, really, as we think about uh, our mums and what they've done for us. We literally wouldn't be here if it wasn't for our mums. And yet, for, for others, it might be quite a difficult time, quite a, a painful day, actually, as they maybe long to be a mum or have had difficult upbringing. There can be a difficult passage in in that. And so we'll think about that this morning as we think about the uh, the pain and the privileges of motherhood. That's exactly what we'll hear from as Neil will be preaching to us uh, on that theme this morning, about the pain and privilege of motherhood. As we look at the the story of Hannah and Peniah in uh, in 1 Samuel, Hannah, who couldn't have uh, children, and the pain that that caused. Um, but there is, there's good news in that we see how the Lord meets Hannah in her need, and how he meets us in our need as well this morning. So we can praise God for that. As we think about really how important it is, uh, how important our mums are, uh, we also think about really who is the one that knits us together in our mother's womb. And that is the Lord. As it speaks about that in Psalm 139. In Psalm 139, it speaks about he is the one that does that. So let me just read a few verses from Psalm 139, uh, verse 13 to 18. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Let's pray together thinking about that. Father God, we thank you that you are the one who knits us together in our mother's womb, that you know our thoughts even before we speak them, that you are uh, never far from us, you're always close to us, that we can call on you on any moment of the day. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us, especially this morning, to draw close to you, that we would know and feel your presence this morning, that you would speak to us through your word. And we pray that you would change us in Jesus' name. Amen. As we come to to pray together, uh, I just wanted to to share uh, just a little reflection just from the the book that we've been reading uh, over the past month or so, Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. I wanted to share just something from the concluding uh, thoughts as he talks about the heart of Christ uh, throughout the book and really what the purpose is of it, um, that is to go to Jesus. So I'm just going to read this and then uh, we'll pray together. It says, go to Jesus. Whatever is, 
whatever is crumbling all around you in your life, whatever you feel stuck, uh, this remains undeflectable. Jesus' heart is for you. The real you, he is gentle and lowly. And so go to him. That place in your life where you feel most defeated, he is there. He lives there, right there. And his heart is for you. Not on the other side of it, not on the other side of that of that darkness, but he is there, gentle and lowly. Your anguish is his home, so go to him. If you knew his heart, you would. Let's pray together to our good Lord Jesus. Father God, we thank you for your great love for us. We thank you for the way that you've displayed it in our Lord Jesus Christ, who is gentle and lowly in heart. And Father, we thank you today for our, for our mums. We thank you for the love that they show, on, show us, that they pour their love out towards us in sacrifice, in prayers, in words. And we thank you, Lord, for them. And we rejoice in the, the mums that you've given us, but we also think of those who maybe have had a difficult upbringing, and maybe who have lost mums, maybe who want to become mums and are unable to. And Father, we pray that you would be close to them that you would draw close to them as your heart is for those who are in pain. And so, Father, we thank you for your goodness to us in Jesus. We pray for preparations in coming back to meet in person, to worship in person next week. We pray for all those details to come together, that people would not be fearful, but would entrust themselves to you, Lord, in this time. We pray for the Easter deliveries next Sunday as well, that they would be received well in the village and that they would open doors and opportunities to speak of Jesus as we show love to all those around us. And we pray for for Neil as he comes to preach the word to us. Father, we pray that we would come with humble hearts, that we would not be pundits, but that we would be people who are willing and keen to be fed by your word. We pray that you would change us, Father, by your spirit as we hear your word preached to us. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Here, the passage uh, read to us by Helen Smith this morning. The passage is 1 Samuel, uh, from verse 1 to 28. And Neil will be preaching uh, to us about the stories of Hannah and Peniah and how the Lord met Hannah in her need. Um, and how he, he took her from a, a place of great pain, um, where he was... Uh, where he led her and helped her and filled her with joy as she sought him in prayer and how he meets us in the same way today. 1 Samuel chapter 1 There was a certain man from Ramathame, a Zophite, from the hill county of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zoph, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah, and the other Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, 
Her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, May your servant find favour in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord, and then they went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. When her husband Elkanah went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfil his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, After the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, her husband Elkanah told her. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you, praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord, for his whole life he shall be given over to the Lord, and he worshipped the Lord there. Good morning, everybody. Let's pray as we come to God's word. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you that you see us and you know us this morning. You know our particular needs, what we're going through. And so we do pray now as we come to your word that you would speak through your word to us in our specific situations, that we would hear from you and that we would know more of your love for us and that you would change us more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, if you are a mum listening uh, this morning, I'm sure you would agree that uh, being a mum is a, a wonderful thing. It's a great joy to see a child grow and develop, uh, to love them and be loved by them. 
It was lovely to watch the, the video earlier on, wasn't it, of, of children expressing, uh, not just children, adults as well, expressing their love for their mothers. It's a wonderful privilege to be responsible for a child's upbringing. But let's be honest, motherhood can also bring pain and stress, as we've particularly seen during this past year of lockdown. For new mums who haven't had the support of other mums uh, that they would normally have uh, through NCT groups and other groups, whose babies haven't had the normal interaction with other babies and adults, which is why we've kept the Baby Box support group going as long as we could, and we're going to start a new one this week. For mums with school-aged children, uh, they've had to homeschool their children whilst uh, in some cases trying to do their jobs at the same time. I'm sure it'll have been a big relief for them as well as for their children for schools to reopen this past week. For mums with grown-up children who have been unable to see much of their children or, or grandchildren during lockdown. And with those living on their own facing the additional challenge of loneliness. And then there'll be mums who have lost children for whom Mother's Day will be particularly painful. Well, this morning on Mother's Day, we're looking at the story of Hannah at a time before she had children. And in this story, we will see her pain as well as the joy and the privilege of motherhood. Hannah, we are told, is one of the two wives of a man called Elkanah, who belonged to the tribe of Israel called Ephraim. And the story takes place around 1100 B.C., at one level, Hannah seems to have a good life. She has a, a husband who loves her, who provides for her. But what grieves her is that she's unable to have children. She cannot be a mother. As it says in verse 5 here, the Lord had closed a womb. We're not sure why, but there are quite a few other well-known mothers in the Bible who are unable to bear children for quite a large portion of their lives. Think of Sarah the wife of Abraham, when she was told at the age of 90 that she would have a baby and become the mother of nations. She just laughed. But sure enough, just as God had promised, she went on to give birth to, to Isaac. And there was Rachel, the wife of Jacob, who was at first uh, unable to have children, but eventually gave birth to Joseph and Benjamin. And of course, in the New Testament, there was Elizabeth, who gave birth to John the Baptist, in her old age. God often brings us to the point of knowing that, humanly speaking, the thing we long for is no longer possible before showing us what he can do as we trust in him. Well, Hannah's anguish is not just that she cannot have children, but the fact that her husband has another wife, Penina, who has lots of children, and not being content with feeling blessed by her children, Penina, we are told here in verse 6, keeps provoking Hannah, in order to irritate her. Maybe it's because she knows that it's Hannah that Elkanah really loves, and this is her only way of getting back at her. But whatever it is, she makes Hannah's life miserable. Goes on for year after year, and causes Hannah to weep, and not be able to eat. It's emotional abuse. Elkanah tries to comfort and encourage his wife by telling her how much he, he, he loves her and how much uh, she means to him, but um, he even gives her a double portion of the meat. But it's not enough for Hannah. So what does Hannah do? Well, the only thing she can do, the only thing we can do, she takes it to God in prayer. 
and as anguish causes her to pour out her soul in prayer. Verse 10 says, in her deep anguish, and a pray to the Lord, weeping bitterly. I wonder what it is that brings you to the point of tears. Children will sometime um, cause their parents anguish and tears, not just um, the anguish of not being able to have a child, but having experienced the, the joy of having a child, the concern of a mother continues throughout their lives. The anguish may be because of health problems of their child, maybe learning difficulties, maybe social or relational problems, maybe mental health issues. Maybe it's poor decisions the the child makes as they grow up that cause themselves harm. Of course, the greatest cause of anguish for a Christian parent's spiritual issues, maybe because of uh, their, their outright rejection of God, or just their indifference towards him. But either way, it will cause a parent anguish as they look on powerless. Well, on all these issues, the greatest thing we can do is what Hannah did. Take them to the Lord in prayer. We don't know whether Hannah had been praying to the Lord for years or whether this year became more intense as she wept bitterly. But I wonder how often our anguish is so great that uh, we pray with tears. With tears, it's like we don't need to, to say anything because the Lord understands what we're going through. As it says in Psalm 6, the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. How does Hannah pray? Well, she makes a specific request and, and links it to a promise of uh, what she will do if the Lord answers her prayer. Verse 11, it says, And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. I wonder if sometimes we think, well, God knows our problem. I don't need to spell it out to him. That's precisely what Hannah does here. She she says, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, not forget your servant. It's the same language. You may recall that um, when the people of Israel were in slavery uh, in Egypt and they cried out to God, we're told there that he remembered them. He looked on them. He was concerned for them. And just as God can respond to a whole nation, so he can respond to individual needs, such as those of Hannah, such as our own needs. He wants us to come to him. He wants us to pour out our anguish to him. He wants to show us his compassion. That's how he shows us his glory. We're told in verse 12 that Hannah, as Hannah kept on praying to the Lord, the priest Eli observed her mouth, Hannah was praying in her heart. Her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. But Hannah replied, not so, my Lord. I'm a woman who's deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. As we've said, to experience anguish and grief is a a natural part of being a mother. 
But it doesn't mean we need to be overwhelmed by it. Because Jesus gives us this invitation. He says, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. As we hand over our burdens to God, we can find rest and peace in our souls. So having prayed, what happens next? Well, the Lord answers Anna's prayer. Verse 17, it says, Eli answered, go in peace. and May the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. And she said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went away and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. As human beings, we are, we're quite complex, aren't we? Our physical, our emotional, mental, spiritual states are all connected. When one is affected, it affects all the, the others. As Hannah opens her heart to God and pours out her soul to him, she receives a peace in her heart. And that immediately brings physical relief. You know, she regains her appetite and emotional relief. She's no longer downcast. For Hannah, she may have felt a conviction in her heart that God would answer her prayer, just as she had prayed. But if he doesn't, she knows that um, it will be because in his wisdom, he has something better for her, and so she can leave it with him. She is at peace. Some of you may know the story of Ian McCormack that um, was later made into a film called The Perfect Wave about a, a younger New Zealander who grew up in a Christian family um, but rejected Jesus and went off travelling looking for the, the perfect wave. He was a bit of a surfer and he went travelling the world and he was diving off the, uh, the island of Mauritius when he was stung by five deadly box jellyfish. Local divers called an ambulance but by then his body was totally paralysed. And at that same moment his mother woke up in the middle of the night in New Zealand, aware that something was seriously wrong with her son. And so she did the one thing that she knew she could. She prayed. And afterwards she felt the strong sense of peace that God would look after him. Back in the ambulance, her son's life was flashing past his eyes, and he had this image of his mother praying for him. And he remembered her telling him in his need to call out, to God, which is what he did. Soon after arrival at the hospital, he was pronounced dead. But he soon found himself, he describes, in the presence of God, weeping. And he was given the option to return to earth for the sake of his mother and those who did yet not know Jesus Christ, which is what he did. The medical team was shocked when he came back to life after being dead for 15 minutes. He was completely healed that night and discharged the following day. Went back to the beach where the local divers were terrified that they thought they were seeing a ghost. And over the next few weeks, he read the whole Bible. He gave his life to Christ and subsequently became a pastor. God answered a mother's prayer for her son. God answered Hannah's prayer just as she asked. She and her husband returned home, and we're told Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son who she named Samuel, 
which means heard by God. She says, because I asked the Lord for him. I wonder if what sometimes holds us back from praying is that we don't like to, to bother God with our prayers as if it would be some sort of inconvenience to him. But not only does God remember his prayers, he loves to hear his people pray. He loves to answer their prayers. That is how God achieves his purposes, through the prayers of his people. There's a lovely image in the book of Revelation of Jesus, the Lamb with the 24 elders of heaven falling down before him with golden bowls of incense, which we're told are the prayers of God's people. Our prayers are not just insignificant thoughts or requests that once uttered somehow disappear into the ether. They're gathered, they're offered to Christ repeatedly in these heavenly acts of worship. They're a sweet-smelling incense. Our prayers make a difference. Our problem is not really that we ask too much, but that we don't ask enough. Jesus said, for everyone who asks, receives The one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. In his letter to believers, James writes, you do not have because you do not ask God. But it's not just that we don't ask enough. As James continues, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. What are you asking God for at the moment in your, your anguish? What are you anguished about? Is it something that God is also anguished about? If it is, then you know you're asking with the right motives according to his will. This passage in 1 Samuel is not just a passage about a, a childless woman asking God to become a mother so she can receive the pleasure of motherhood. She wants to become a mother not just for her own selfish ends but so she can glorify God. Any child that God might bless her with, she would want to dedicate to him. Which is precisely what she does do with Samuel. Hannah dedicates the gift of a child to the Lord. On the first occasion after the birth of Samuel that the family have to to go and offer their annual sacrifices and fulfill their vows, we're told that Hannah did not go. And notice here it says this is not just a vow that Hannah took on her own. It also refers here to Elkanah's vow. They were both committed to this. But Hannah said to her husband, after the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. And Elkanah supported him in that, to her in that decision. According to commentators, breastfeeding could have taken up to three years in that culture. We're not told exactly what is going on in Hannah's mind at this moment. Maybe having received the baby who she'd been praying for for so long, she's finding it hard to to keep her promise and give him up. Maybe she just wants to hold on to him a little longer. As any parent will tell you, it's hard to release a child. Even when they get to the age of 18 and go off to university, there's still a strong attachment to them. But Hannah is both true to her promise and also has a strong faith in the Lord. When she eventually goes back to the temple to present Samuel before the Lord, she says to Eli the priest in verse 26, Pardon me, my Lord, 
As surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now, I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he shall be given over to the Lord. And he worshipped God there. However hard it would have been for her, she knows that the most important thing she can do for her child, and the thing that ultimately will bring her most joy, will be to see her son serving the Lord. And as you know, he goes on to become the leader of God's people, the one God uses to choose a king for Israel, from whom will come Jesus Christ himself. It's very easy to read this passage through human eyes, uh, through the eyes of our society that focuses on me, my enjoyment, my fulfilment. And in that context, it's easy to read ahead to to chapter 2, verse 21, where it says, And the Lord was gracious to Hannah. She gave birth to three sons and two daughters. And to think, well, at least she, she got what she wanted in the end. It was worth giving up Samuel. She got five children in return for herself. But none of her children really belonged to her. She would have dedicated each one of them to the Lord. Only Samuel was given this very special role to fulfill by God, but she would have sought to teach the others about God. She would have prayed for them, that they would each serve him in different ways. What things can mothers, can parents, can all of us take away from this this morning as we close? Well, for mums and dads, um, everything we have comes from God and belongs to him. And that includes our children. And that means as parents, we should be making a a promise to God, as we do when we bring our children for the dedication, that we will do three important things. That we will teach them about Jesus. There are lots of resources that Nathan has been providing families to, to help you do that. We hope they've been useful. Secondly, we would love them like Jesus would. We would model to them what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. And the differences have made to, to our lives. And thirdly, we will pray for them that they would follow Jesus. There'll be lots of other things that we can do for our children. We can provide them with a home, with, with food, with clothing. We can help them with their, their schoolwork and we can encourage them to find a, a career, a, a leisure activity that they are good at and enjoy doing. But none of that compares with helping them to come to know and follow Jesus. That is what would bring God the greatest joy. And ultimately that would, is what brings us as a parent the greatest joy. And so an application for all of us, uh, because all of us in the church can be Mothers and parents. Maybe you don't have children or your, your children have grown up and moved away. But you can still be a mother figure or a father figure to another child, another young person in the church. Pray for them. Talk to them. Show an interest in their lives. One of the hardest things I think about lockdown has been losing the sense of church family, which I pray we will regain very soon. But in the meantime, as we prepare to meet, hopefully soon, as a family again, go through your members' book, pray to God, pray for the children in our church. 
We'll have an opportunity to do that this evening at the prayer meeting as we pray for mothers, as we pray for unbelieving children. So do please join us for that as we pray in anguish to, to our Lord. Let's close now in prayer. Father God, we thank you that we can come to you in prayer. And we can lift up our greatest needs to you. We can come to you in anguish. We can pray from our souls. And we thank you that you, you love to hear our prayers. You love to answer our prayers. We do pray this morning for, for mothers, particularly those who are going through challenging times. Lord, strengthen them, support them, we pray. And to give them a real joy in being a mother. Give them the strength they need to be a mother, knowing they don't do it in their own strength, but they do it by your grace working through them. And we pray for us as a church family that all the children, all the young people in this church would feel a part of the family, that they would know they're not just their own parents, but the parents of everyone in this church are looking out for them and are praying for them. And we long to see them come to to follow Christ for themselves. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. It's been great to be able to, to meet together, to worship the Lord together. Um, I would encourage you, as we have a post-service coffee at 11.45, to connect in that, encourage one another, uh, catch up with one another on that. And do be thinking about how we can um, encourage, especially those uh, children in our congregation, uh, how we can do that as we seek to point them to Jesus in everything. Let's close in prayer together. Father God, we thank you for your goodness to us in our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that, uh, that we are your people and that you've uh, saved us, that we might live for you and worship you. We pray, Father, that uh, in moments of uh, difficulty, in moments of weakness and pain, in every moment of the day, that we would come to you, Lord, and that we would pray to you because you delight in hearing our prayers. And so, Father, we pray that you would uh, give us uh, hearts which which delight in you, to know that you you love us and that we can turn to you in every moment of the day. In Jesus' name, amen.